0: Well, good morning again for those of you who may not know me. I'm Kevin Sanders. I'm lead pastor here. And it's just such a delight to be able to gather with you, to worship with you, uh, to serve alongside you like we did on Friday together, and just to do this life together. What a good journey it is together, because it is hard to go alone. So I'm encouraged to see you all here on the journey with us, and those tuning in on the live stream as well, grateful for you today. Now, some of you do know a few things about me. You know, that's just kind of the nature of this whole pastor relationship thing, right? You start to learn things about me, and I'm I'm pretty forthcoming with a lot about me. And so you probably know, and unless you're just meeting me, then you're about to know, I wrestled in middle school. Now, I wasn't uh, as uh, huge then as I am now. I clocked in at about 64 pounds, Yeah, that's right. Look out. So I was in the lowest weight class at 70 pounds, okay? Shockingly, I wasn't the smallest in our weight class on our team. 64 pounds. I was not very good. Many schools, you see, did not have other kids in that that 70-pound weight class, so we'd often wrestle up. So I would wrestle in the 75-pound weight class. I only weighed 64, so I was already underweight. You might say, 11 pounds, not a huge difference. That's one-sixth of what my body weight was. Okay, that's a big deal. So you, you see, 64 pounds, that's basically six babies worth of weight. And then someone took that baby away. And anyway, yeah, so... I wasn't very good, but shockingly, in eighth grade, my coach made me one of the co-captains. Why do I tell you this? Well, last week, someone drew out the hat, tell us about wrestling. No, they pulled out, the, we pulled out the hat, Hosea 11, 1 through 11. Does that bring clarity for you? Why? No? Let me help fill in the gaps. The book of Hosea and I share something in common, Okay. The book of Hosea, it's considered a minor prophet. Now, 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 minor prophet. It's called minor not because it's like a lesser like prophetic book. It's a minor prophet because it's smaller and it's a little bit more narrow in scope. They're, they're, that's just, that's it. They're just smaller. So there's twelve minor prophets and there's four major prophets: Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Hosea, along with one other minor prophet book, Zechariah. They're what probably no other theologians ever call this, but I like to call them the co-captains of the minor prophets. They're both 14 chapters each. So clocking in about the same weight class. They're smaller than all the major prophets by word count, but they're the biggest of the minor prophets. So the book of Hosea and I, here we go, share this fact in common. We're both relatively small, but also the biggest of our weight class. That's the first way the first way. But even more than that, why do I say Hosea is one of the co-captains of the minor prophets? It's not just all about size. It's the same reason my coach told me he made me a captain. Coach Hunsinger told me, Kevin, it's not about being big. It's not about your record. It's because you have heart, and the book of Hosea has heart. Book of Hosea has heart. More accurately, the book of Hosea reveals to us the heart of God. And that's what we're looking at today. And that's just a glimpse into my mind how you can go from wrestling to heart of God in three minutes, but book of Hosea reveals the heart of God. Our focus is on the 11th chapter, for that's what one of you submitted in the hat. But we're going to begin at the beginning of the book to get you some context and a sense of of, of the general theme of this prophetic book and God's true word. So we're going to start with Hosea 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. Hear now the true word of the Lord. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Barry, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Woe. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Have you ever read something and you just go, wait, what? We did a series called Wait What not too long ago, and this could have easily made it because you read that and you go, wait, what? So Hosea is a prophet of the Lord. They hear the word of the Lord. They receive the word of the Lord. They, they speak the word of the Lord. And and his ministry is taking place during this era of kings that's laid out for us, uh, the era of kings in the northern kingdom. He's in the northern kingdom uh, called Israel. In this book, it's referred to as Ephraim. That's another name for the book or the land of Israel, the northern kingdom. And this is nearing the end of Israel's history until they were taken over and sent off into exile. That's what's going on here. It was the most turbulent and trying time in history's ex- history up to that point. Israel's history up to that point. There's a lot of reasons for that, bless you. But the foundational reason for all this trouble is God's people continually worshiping false gods and idols. You learned a lot about this through our Elijah series and the showdown with, with the Baal, right? That continued even beyond that in different ways under the poor reign and rule of the kings of Israel. And that's what's been going on. So Hosea's prophetic ministry, it's to speak against Israel's continued unfaithfulness to the forever faithful one true God and to see Israel turn back to God. And God speaks through his prophet in a very unique way by also inviting his prophet into a deeply challenging living parable. What he goes through is real, but it also parallels what God and his people have gone through. So God asks Hosea to marry a woman that will be unfaithful to him. How do you go about finding a woman— that you are knows going to be unfaithful to? Like, do you think he just like sat down and like asked them straight up in like premarital counseling? Are you going to be unfaithful to me? And if they said no, he said next? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but you see, some here think that, that this means he has to go off and find someone who is actively uh, in prostitution and marry a prostitute. But, but I think it's actually more likely from what we get from the rest of scripture and what God's trying to communicate, it's more likely that he would go and marry one. It was, it was a command of anticipation. That go and marry and the one you will marry is going to be unfaithful. Now imagine having to step into that kind of covenant with that hanging over you. But Hosea was faithful and he went, he married Gomer. Gomer, great name. Great name. And she has a son. We know that Hosea is indeed the father of this child. But then Gomer goes on and conceives two more times, gives birth to two more children, and the text shows us that those children do not belong to Hosea. Gomer was unfaithful. The Lord instructs Hosea then, after the birth of each of these kids, on what to name these children. And all three names are prophetic and uh, likely, definitely led to a lot of counseling being needed. If you don't know, read, read Hosea 1 there, and they will tell you. We don't have time to get into all of that today, but you should read it. And then God gives Hosea's words to speak against his people Israel. And this is where we get the connection. This is the connection. Hosea and Gomer, they got married. They had a child. They were faithful to one another until Gomer became continually unfaithful. And just like Hosea and Gomer, God and his people entered into a loving covenant together. You remember this from earlier on in the history of God and his people, don't you? The covenant where, where God said, he promised, I'll be your God. You will be my people. You will be treasured above all else if you follow me in obedience, and keep my covenant. It's a double-sided promise. I'll keep my promise. You keep your promise. We will covenant together. It's the same thing that, that takes place in marriage vows, where both sides together are promising to uphold this covenant. And God, in his faithfulness, entered into a loving covenant with his people. And God's love formed the bond of that covenant. But God's people just like Gomer, were unfaithful to an ever-loving God. Time and time and time and time again, God would draw his people to them, and and time and time and time and time again, God's people would turn their backs on him and worship false gods, such as the Baals, and live outside of God's way and God's path. God had every opportunity and every right to end the covenant, to walk away, to wipe his hands clean, for he did nothing wrong. He upheld his end. It was the people that broke it. But that's not what he did. God's love and faithfulness remains. It's a pretty cool thing when you actually think about it, this unyielding love and faithfulness of God Most High. Uh, they— Theologians have referred to it as the long suffering of God. The long suffering that way back in the garden when humans chose to eat of the fruit instead of choosing God. And he, he, he meets him in that space and, and while he's heartbroken, he's torn up. What does he do? He puts his plan of redemption into place right then and there. I will find a way to crush that serpent's heel and bring you back into my fold. He entered, he willingly entered into a long-suffering role in relationship, that of the jilted lover, okay, that his people, his dearly loved ones, while they'll continue to turn away from him, he will endure it again and again and again to draw them back in. He entered into a long-suffering relationship. Now, Hosea, he's given the task to to proclaim this reality. You've turned your back on God, Israel. Now, repent. Turn back to him. He has been faithful. You have not. To proclaim this to the people in hopes they would turn back. So let's move forward to Hosea Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and see what it says. Hosea's been teaching, and now this is what God says to Hosea, The Lord said to me, that is Hosea, Go, show your love to your wife again. Though she's loved by another man, and she is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Later you'll hear Jesus say, as we talked about last week, Love as I love you. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. That's not just some weird throw-in on dessert. That was part of a pagan worship ritual, okay? The, the, The raisin cakes. So this is what Hosea does. He bought her, purchased her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. And I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I'll behave the same way toward you. What is that? That's a covenant renewal is what that is, okay? The fact that Hosea had to go and find his wife is the first indication that all is not wonderful in paradise, right? There's trouble in paradise. He had to go find her. And then it also says he had to pay for her. It shows how low Gomer has fallen. It suggests she had lowered herself so low, she had walked away so far, that she had become a prostitute and a slave. And in the cost, the cost that Hosea pays, it is half of what the normal wages to, for the slave trade was at that time. It is half the normal cost, which means she was in such a lowly state, she wasn't even worth the full amount. Okay? That's how low she has fallen. And believing this is God's living parable for us, it also means that's how low God's people had fallen. Gomer's the living example of the lowliness of God's people due to their unfaithfulness, their obstinacy, and yet... Even this, even this is not enough to exhaust God's redeeming love that outstrips the human capacity to even comprehend. That is the heart of God. Like Hosea, God comes to us again and again and he scoops us up and takes us back into his loving embrace. Because this is the hard reality. We know we relate more to Gomer and the Israelite people far more than we would ever want to admit. Like them, we have been unfaithful to a forever faithful God. Though we may never claim things as idolatry these days, the reality is God's people frequently give our worship to modern-day idols. The things that we give our time, our thought, our attention, our power, our resources, our our praise to over and above God. And this should make us cry out. It It should make us ache. It should make us weep. But just like the people back then, we often can't see it. We're blind to it. We have our blinders up And we can't see the ways we've been unfaithful to the forever faithful God. But let's remember what I said at the beginning here. Not about wrestling, but about the heart of God. This book reveals to us the heart of God. So we are not left in this place. This book does not end with a message of mournful sorrow and dread, but instead it points to the lasting, the living, the enduring hope that we always have in God. And so in that light, it provides us the path forward. The focus of Hosea, you see, the book of Hosea, is that God is powerfully and passionately committed to his people in spite of Of their unfaithfulness, he will not turn away. In other words, what, what what can we take away from this? That God is powerfully and passionately committed to us, in spite of our unfaithfulness. And look at how we're reminded of this in God's word in the passage that was drawn from the hat just last week. See, Gomer, she does come back with Hosea, and she she is redeemed. And, and Hosea continues to speak God's word on, on all the ways that his people have been unfaithful to him. He has been very honest to the people of God about their unfaithfulness, and he lays out from God's words what a just punishment for them could and would be. And then we come to Hosea chapter 11, starting at verse 1. These are the words of God through his prophet these are, this is the heart of our God. As God speaks, when Israel was a child, oh, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more that they were called, the, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing, not to me, to the Baals. And they were burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught my people to walk. I, I, I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, guiding them and making it easier for them. And I bent down to them, and I fed them, they shall not return to the land of Egypt. Oh, but Assyria shall be their king because they've refused to return to me. Yeah, there, there, there are consequences for our actions, in other words. The sword shall rage against their cities. They, they shall consume the bars of their gates and devour them because of their own choices, their own wisdom, their own counsel. See, my people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. Oh, but how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How could I hand you over, O Israel? How could I make you like those other destroyed cities, like Adma? How could I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger, which I have every right to do, but I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. Oh, they shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. He, when, excuse me. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And what will I do? I'll return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you see the heart of God? Do you hear it? Do you feel it? Can you feel feel his pain and also his love? His longing, his longing to be close to the children he created and called his own. This, my friends, is the good news. Yes, we are prone to wander. Yes, we are sinful and we are drawn away from God. Yes, we have gone and been unfaithful We are indeed hopeless on our own, but our God has more than enough grace to cover us all. His grace, this grace, is the greatest gift that has ever been given. The history of the universe. The greatest gift we could ever receive. It is a gift fully undeserved, and it is God's gift of himself given fully to us. The book of Hosea reveals to us the heart of God. And we know that very heart beat upon this earth in his son, Jesus Christ, who came to deliver all who call him Lord. This gift of himself is Jesus. He gave of himself as he lived as he died, as he rose again, so that all might be set free if they acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, to make us right and and call us to cherish this gift of God now and forevermore. I will not destroy you. I have made a way. Come to me. My compassion grows warm and tender, and it will never burn out for you. You see the nonstop faithfulness of God on display in Hosea and displayed on the cross. It's the same faithfulness of God that meets us right here and now. And so, in light of such a gift, what are we to do? In light of su- such, such a gift, we acknowledge the shadow of our unfaithfulness is great. If you've ever been given an extraordinarily extravagant gift, your first inclination inclination will be, I'm not worthy to receive this. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And that's our first response uh, in, in, in recognizing what God has done for us, is to say, we're not worthy. Oh, but he's worthy to give it. And he chose you to give it to. Yeah, we've been unfaithful Yeah, in the blinding light of God's greatness, our unfaithfulness is revealed, and it ought to bring us to our knees, to draw us to a word we don't like, but a word that is so profound, draws us to repentance. That's the first part of the message that God wanted to bring to his people through Hosea. And it's a word for all of us here and now today as well, to turn from where we've gone astray, those things that are drawing your attention, your energy, your focus, they seem appealing, but that is salt water for your soul, slowly leading to your demise. To repent is simply to turn back to God, to confess where we have gone wrong and to turn back to God. We've gone astray and we turn back and refocus and recommit once more to follow God and his ways, back on his path we turned back into his loving arms once more. We saw how Gomer came back and upheld her end of the covenant again with Hosea. Remember, too, the prodigal son who turned away from the pigsty and walked toward his father. His father, mind you, who did not wait with a stern look on his face, but ran beyond the gates to embrace his son. Whom he had been looking for and longing would return once more. Repentance is not the scary thing that it seems. Just like a hurt child who's been hurt, who maybe messed up, maybe he's been bullied, who is just at a complete loss and at their end, has no power to do anything on their own. Who do they look to? They look for their mom. They look for their dad. They look for the loving embrace the one they know loves them so much. That's what we are reminded of in repentance. We turn back to God and faith once more, and he will scoop us up in his loving embrace and say, I got you. There's a better way. We know none but Jesus is perfect, and yet God calls us to live into, to strive to live like him to the best of our ability. To surrender to him, as Pastor Curry talked about in his prayer, to surrender, to acknowledge he's our Lord. We surrender and will follow you. We let go of the things of these worlds. We cast out our idols once more and strive for the things that make for unity, purity, and peace. This gift of grace that is revealed to us in the book of Hosea, this gift of life, this gift of unrelenting faithfulness, the best way we can do, honor such a gift is to seek to live a life in response and gratitude of that gift, to shine that light to shine that love, to share that love, to tell of what God has done, to, to show our scars and the pains we've endured and the longing hope that it might help someone free them from their pains and burdens and find the everlasting love that is only found in our Savior who has never once turned his back on us. A life of gratitude is the daily walk of a Jesus follower to daily thank God by turning back to him, by asking the Spirit to transform us. As we talked about last week, to daily have a posture and a prayer to search our hearts, know our thoughts. If there's any wicked ways within me, make them known to me and lead me in your way, your everlasting way. See, God's gift of grace calls us, it compels us into a better way. So we will seek to live a life of gratitude, a life of faith, trusting that God's grace is sufficient to fill the gaps. We will put off the old, embrace the new, pursuing the one who continuously pursues us. And that is the beauty. Because God is perfect. We'll stumble along the way and his grace will pick us up once again and say, you got it. Keep on going. He will cover us for His faithfulness, His love, His mercy is without end. Praise be to our everlasting, loving, and faithful God. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. While we join our hearts together in prayer, oh Father, all our lives You have been faithful, and all our lives You have been. So good. For you are always good. We know that humans may be fickle, but you are forever faithful. We may go from all spectrums of emotion and changing as the wind blows, but you remain constant and the same. So your faithfulness has endured forever. So God, right here and now, we look back in our lives and we think of all the ways you have been faithful to us. All the ways you have carried us through and we say, thank you, Lord. And knowing how you've been faithful, reading of your unending faithfulness and your true word, we know you will continue to be faithful. No matter what this life throws at us, no matter what comes our way, we have hope, we have love, We have assurance that is found only in you. So compel us through your spirit, Lord, to be transformed once more by your spirit's power, more into your likeness. We're so thankful, Lord. We're so thankful that you have never turned your back on us. We give you all thanks, all glory, all honor and power. It is all yours and you are worthy of it all. We thank you. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. All God's people say, amen.